In this week's episode, I'm inviting Kevin Keppel, transformational leadership coach, to the podcast. Kevin and I are chatting about how to bring out the best of your employees, how to turn sort of average employees into exceptional contributors with the help of the influence equation. We also talk about mindset shifts, transformational leadership, and a bunch of other really useful, interesting topics. I hope you enjoy this conversation and get to hear someone else on the podcast and share their perspective and experience as it comes to helping leaders in organizations become more impactful and influential. Let's go. Here's the question. How do you successfully transition into your first official leadership role, build the confidence and competence to lead your team successfully, and establish yourself as a respected and trusted leader across the organization? That's the question, and this show provides the answers. Welcome to the Manager Track Podcast. I'm your host, Ramona Shaw, and I'm on a mission to create workplaces where work is not seen as a source of stress and dread, but as a source of contribution, connection, and fulfillment. And this transition starts with developing a new generation of leaders who know how to lead so everyone wins and grows. In this show, you learn how to think, communicate, and act as the confident and competent leader you know you can be. Welcome to this week's episode of the Manager Track Podcast. Today, I have a guest with me. This is Kevin Keppel. Kevin teaches leaders to unlock their leadership code by leveraging their unique genius. As a Gallup certified strength coach, Kevin has helped hundreds of leaders evolve to higher levels of excellence through his coaching. Kevin is a master coach and an expert at helping leaders become more without making them feel like less. He's also the host of the Unlock Your Freedom podcast. You can learn more about his work at kevinkeppel.us, and we'll link to all that in the show notes. But without further ado, welcome, Kevin, to the podcast. What's up, Ramona? Thanks for having me. What a great intro. Excited to be here with you. Thanks for joining us. Um, there's lots that we could talk about, but there are a few things that stood out to me as I was looking at your work specifically that I would love to bring into this conversation. Before we dive in, can you tell us a little bit more about how you got to be where you're at now and what inspired you to do this type of work? Sure. So rewind a couple of decades and, you know, I got into my first leadership position in my teenage years and I had no idea what leadership was all about. My leadership example was um, a boss who screamed a lot and he was, uh, he really liked profanities um, as adjectives, nouns, verbs, whatever. And he was very challenging to work for. And that was my first leadership experience because I was the assistant to, you know, manager to that manager. And, you know, that was the model and I knew there had to be a better way. And I like, didn't know what it looked like, but you know, TV and old school leadership, right. It's like my way or the highway. And, you know, I was really like a little bit dejected because I really, I want to help people. And the last thing I want to do is be little people and be hard on people and all that good stuff. So, you know, went through college and I got my first job out of college and it was the same thing. I had a boss who was abusive and kind of screamed and I was like, man, like there's got to be a better way to influence the behavior of others as a leader. And, you know, thankfully I, um, my next boss after that was a little bit different and it was a she this time. And she was more intentional about really seeing, you know, what made you, you and how you were special and how that special part of you could contribute to the whole. And, you know, she was one of the first people I felt like that really gave me permission to be me. And, you know, not that I needed it, but for some reason, I feel like a lot of people wait for that. 
And, you know, it was really powerful to have somebody that I looked up to. I was like, hey, you know what? Like, you matter. You're special, too. And you can do really cool things that, you know, nobody else can do. And so keep going down the road. And I was working in uh, a career that I was really good at, but I didn't have a lot of passion for. But I didn't understand that at the time. You know, I didn't think that we were supposed to love what we do. You know, I was like, you just do what you do for 30 or so years. And then you maybe get to retire if you're lucky and get the gold watch and all that. Mm-hmm. And then I was working with a business coach and I was having success. I was working in sales and you know, I was winning the trips and getting to do all the cool stuff. And my business coach at the time, he's like, well, tell me what you love about your job. And I was like, well, I love this and I love that. And he's like, dude, I don't even think you like your job. It's like, what are you talking about? He's like, you're like body language change. You're like hiding from me when you're saying it. Like, he's like, I don't think you're lying to me on purpose, but you're not being truthful. And I was like, wow, okay, well, you know, there's a couple of things that could be better, I suppose. And really, I found out that I really like, you know, helping people, you know, transform towards whatever it is, you know, they wanted to go out and create. I loved helping people be more without making them feel like less. And so long story short, that was the beginning of my transformation towards becoming a you know, business coach and a leadership educator. And, you know, that was, gosh, 15 years ago, I think. And, you know, I've been working in the, uh, you know, business coaching space pretty much since then. And, uh, you know, it was a little bit more to the story, but really, I think everything got better when I really understood, you know, what my purpose was and my purpose is, you know, to help other people figure out, you know, what their unique genius looks like and how they can align with that. So they can really create their version of amazing. Mm -hmm. And you know what, like, it's really simple. It doesn't mean it's easy, but you know what, it is so much fun to get to consistently see people, you know, creating new beliefs about what's possible for them and what's possible in their lives. Yeah. I love that. There's, um, there are like two things that stood out to me right away. One is when we have bad leaders as role models, the disconnect, like just experience, experiencing this sometimes can be, I think can be really insightful. Not that I wish that ever, right. For, um, for anyone, but if for those of us who have gone through that experience, to look back and realize like, this is not the way to do this because not only does it have a great impact, negative impact on the people they leave, but also their families and, you know, the people that they're touching, whether they're leading other people or just go home and then they're frustrated at at home because of what they experienced at, at work. And I think that ripple effect and just noticing that and having gone through that experience is one of the things that I find personally too, is, is sort of igniting and reigniting that passion to do this type of work and helping leaders uh, learn the skills and tools to lead well. Yeah. Bring out other people's strength. Yeah. I think that's such a good point because, you know, like one of the bosses I had, I remember he was screaming at me one day and he's like, he's like, you, you, you're such a like petulant, child and he was screaming at me and like i had to look up the word petulant at the time i wasn't really sure what that meant i'm like hey i was like i feel like that's the kettle calling the pot black a little bit but you know what like i'm really grateful for him because he gave me a great contrast right this is what i don't want to be as a leader and you know it's like hurt people hurt people you know he was struggling too so you know god bless him hopefully he got the help he needed but uh that's definitely not the way that uh, you're going to connect with people. And it's such a great word you use, Ramona, connection. Because yeah. if we're not connected, like then nobody's going to co-create our vision with us. I mean, yeah. they may for a little while, but they're not going to do it happily. And they're definitely not going to bring their, you know, their best, whatever that may be, if they don't feel connected to you or to the purpose or the vision that you're trying to share. 100%. Yeah. 
It's so true. And the other thing that you said um, that I thought was really interesting is how you were, you know, probably rattling down things that you like about your job, because that you've probably said it many times before when people ask and you talk about it. And then your business coach picked up on the body language and the disconnect. And I think just, I want to point that. I think this is the real power of coaching. Sometimes this is such an like intangible thing. So I just quickly call this out because no one really comes into conversations like a coach does with us, like any friends that we have, that's not their job to call this out. They may not even notice it. They may not feel comfortable doing so. They maybe even shouldn't call it out in the moment. Who knows, right? But a coach really comes in, there's nothing at stake. The only thing that they want is for you to gain clarity or for you to get better. And that's it. And they have in the coaching engagement, they get to have this right or this privilege to be a mirror and call stuff like this out. That then makes us like stop and think. I think that's so powerful that that like ignited that change for you. Yeah, absolutely. That's a really good point. You know, like when uh, coaching is so powerful, there's never been a time when I've worked with a coach, either as an individual or as part of, you know, a mastermind group that I haven't like massively transformed towards whatever it is I want. Like, because it just fast forwards a lot of, you know, the stuff that needs to happen for us to be successful, you know, Mm -hmm. and if I can get where I you know want to be in my, you know, five-year plan in six months or three months or you know, why wouldn't I do it that way? And, yeah. you know, coaching is so cool because you have somebody who's completely unbiased. Their sole goal is to help you get whatever it is you say you want. Like, that's yeah. a really cool thing when you can have a safe space like that with somebody you trust that can, you know, like you said, mirror back to you what, what they're seeing. And you know, some of the best coaching conversations I've had with clients are the ones where I said the least. I'm like, yeah. man, this was awesome. I'm like, well, cool. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the whole point. It's not about me. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, something that you talk about and, and ties into this is influence, right? So you talk about the influence equation. And the reason why this reminds me uh, or ties into what we think about coaching is because sometimes as a coach, whether directly or indirectly, we're able to influence and influence in a way that it just inspires action or insights or gets other people to see alignment between what they're doing and what they actually want or who they're being versus who they're actually want to be or how they want to be perceived. Um, and as leaders who coach their team members, that's part of their job as well, right? To help them create that alignment and that le- level of clarity and for them to see things that they may by themselves not, not able or not able to identify or to clarify. But tell me a little more about what you mean when you talk about the influence equation and how that plays out for leaders. Sure. You know, I think it's pretty simple and I feel like so many leaders get it backwards and myself included in the past. And, you know, to me, the influence equation is really three simple things, trust, connection, vision, and in that order. And most people, you know, that are either new to leadership or very maybe self-focused instead of externally focused, you know, they start with vision, like, Hey, here's where we're going. Here's what we're doing. Go get it. And they expect people to like happily co-create that with them. And yeah, there may be some buy-in, but you know, again, like that word connection, if you're not connected to the vision, then you're giving away so much power and it all starts with trust. Like any powerful culture is built on trust because if I trust you, that means I feel safe around you. And if I feel safe around you, that means I feel safe to be creative because creativity is always risky because we're going into the unknown 
if I'm not creating, then I'm simply replicating whatever I see in front of me. And that's like compulsion and reaction and, you know, all those like ego driven behaviors. And, you know, if we're like reacting like that, we're just simply recycling the past more often than not. And, you know, like yesterday was great, but I don't want to see yesterday again today. I want to see, you know, what the next level evolved upwards is. And so it's really important that, you know, we understand like trust comes from people feeling safe. And, you know, there's a lot of different things that go into that, of course. But I think one of the biggest things is, you know, like authenticity, you know, you know, being who you say you are and showing up when you say you're going to show up and, you know, being you know fairly transparent. I mean, tell all your secrets, your personal stuff. But, you know, if if I'm telling Ramona one message and then I go over to the next person on my team and give them kind of a different message that's not even in line with what I just said, then that is not authenticity, you know, mm-hmm. that just totally disconnects people from you. And so really, really important, you know, you're showing up for people when you say you're going to show up, showing up in the way you want to, you know, be treated, that golden rule. And that really is cool because it allows people to be vulnerable. And, you know, instead of just trying to be right, you know, people can, you know, try to be more, whatever their version of that looks like. And, you know, connection is going to be constantly reinforced by, you know, showing the people that you lead, hey, what's important to you is important to me. Because what are the questions everybody asks a leader? You know, number one, do you like me? You know, like if I feel like the leader doesn't like me, then I probably don't feel very safe. Then, you know, the next one is like, can I trust you? And then that third one, it's like, can you help me get what I want? And, you know, is, what, is what's important to me important to you? And, you know, it's not like, yeah, the words are important, but really it's the actions. And as the leader, people are always watching you. And so it's crucial that, you know, you're, you're being the change you want to see, like Gandhi said. And, mm-hmm. you know, I have <laughs> time to time, you know, a client and they'll, you know, the people on my team are doing blank or they're not doing blank. And I'm like, cool. Are you doing this thing that you want them to do? They're like, well, no. I'm like, then how are you asking people to do things that you're not willing to do yourself? That doesn't mean you need to do everything necessarily, but you need to be willing to do it. Or if you're asking somebody to be a certain way, then you should probably be that way yourself. So to recap this. Because I think there's sort of the the idea around influence and what you talk about, it boils down to, or what enables influence is the vision, the connection, and the trust. Or in in act the actual order, it starts with trust, connection, and then vision. And what I hear you say specifically is for someone listening who says, "Oh, okay, interesting. Am I doing this?" The questions to consider here, or even the questions to bring up with employees directly, is. First off, to figure out what's important to them. And sometimes we may assume or we have an idea, right? Whenever someone says, I think they do, I was like, hold on a second. You think or you know two different things? Have you talked about it? Are you making assumptions here? So to really know what's important to them, then to see like, if, and it sounds like to contemplate for each team member, do I think they think I like them? A question that I like to ask even with that is how much do you trust me or like if in a leader, how much do you trust me and how much do you think I trust you? And I think that's really revealing and it goes, goes right into that. How much do you think I like you? And to contemplate that, that question. And then the third one was, can you help me? And in which ways would you help me? Do you have my back? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Because all of that's going to go back to safety, right? Like if I feel like you got my back, like, then I feel safe and also feel connected to you. And, yeah. you know, like, are you going to take credit for the wins that I create? You know, yeah. like, and that happens too. And, you know, are, are you going to take credit for the losses, even though it's not your fault? 
Like that's some powerful leadership right there. Yeah. You know, like Jocko Willink, he's got that great book, Extreme Ownership. I love that concept. It's like, hey, whatever happens on your team is a result of something you did or didn't do. Otherwise, yeah. you're giving away all your power if you, well, they didn't do what they're supposed to do. Okay, you just made yourself a victim of your own team. And now yeah. your team is the villain to your victim. Yeah. And that is a completely disempowered place. And, you know, there's actually true, real victims in the world and God bless them. And my heart goes out to them, prayers for you. But, you know, in reality, most of us are only victims by choice. And, you know, the alternative is like to be a hero or a guide, right? Like, you know, mm-hmm. either the guide, you know, guiding other heroes or being guided on your hero's journey. And, you know, we vacillate between those roles, you know, sometimes in the same conversation, even like, but, you know, it's, man, like it's a, it's a choice to, you know, like, do I want to choose love over fear? Yeah. That's, that's a skill that, you know, we have to constantly develop because if I'm trying to create from fear, there's no creation from fear. It's like that negative mindset will never create a positive life, like period. Yeah. And, and relation, positive relationships, because that's where all the, the tension, the conflict, the friction, the friction, the lack of trust, all that comes from. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I love that. And I love, so, so really those questions that you just highlighted to ask yourself as a leader, I think these are really, really powerful to think about for each and every person on the team and with a lot of honesty, right? So being honest with yourself of what you, not what you wish they would say, but really honestly, what you think they might say. And then based on the insights um, that you know, people get from asking themselves these questions about each team member to then look at how do I make some shifts? And I, I guess some, sometimes these are small shifts. So think about the question for you, Kevin, if you have someone that identifies, yeah, I have a couple of team members and I think there's some friction or lack of trust that I have with them. What do you recommend them to do? Talk to them. I mean, just, there's no point in, you know, beating around the bush and it doesn't need to be aggressive in, in any way, but like, like, let's say that you're the leader and you have two people that are not getting along on your team perhaps. And I think that's what you said. And then maybe if you're not getting along with them too, like if it's two team members, like man, the negotiation is one of the most powerful things you can do when you have a disagreement is to get the two people in the disagreement together. Like, Hey, what do we agree on? Like, what do we absolutely agree on? Cause they agree on something. There's something that they can find agreement on. And then you work backwards from that. Okay, cool. We both agree on this and then, you know, reverse engineer. Okay. What about this? And then you, you can find the disconnect really quickly that way. And it's pretty powerful because quite often, like as you're doing that, like people just want to be heard. Like Mm -hmm. I don't always need the solution and they'll get there themselves. And as they create their own solution, that's super powerful for you, the leader, because people will always support whatever they help create and they help create that solution. So they're going to support it. But if you go, you know, if you go in there like, Hey, you guys need to act right. Like you be nice. You could be mean. Like, okay. Like that lasts for as long as you're in the room, probably if that but yeah. you know, like that's not sustainable. And you know, that's like, unless you're, you know, that's transformational leadership right there because you're helping people create insight, you know, that sight from within. And unless I see things different fundamentally, you know, we're habitual creatures and we revert back to what's familiar, even if we don't like what's familiar. Yeah, uh, totally. And this idea of trying to have the solution in place and, and tell people what to do, I think often comes from a really good place. And I see this a lot with people who are new to leadership that they're trying to be really supportive and they think that, well, now they're in that leadership role or manager role um, and that's their job to solve and to provide solutions and answers to things and give direction that that's, that's actually the job. And so it comes from really good intention, but you know, we then know, we'll see the, the, the side effect or what happens down the road. 
when this is like that one way directive kind of leadership versus allowing other people to create or co-create solutions and the leader doesn't have to be the one doing that. The leader has to be the one who's addressing and creating the space, having the conversations, providing that insight or sparking the insight, but then kind of letting go on that second part and let them own, let them own the problem and the solution. Yeah. Right? And, and that's so powerful. Like that is a really good advice she just gave you guys. I would absolutely uh, go back and listen to that again. If you didn't catch what she said, because new leaders all make the same mistake. And I did too. When I was a new leader, we tell people what to do. Yeah. And like, I don't know about you, but I don't like being told what to do. You know, that's force. I do not like being controlled like that, but I love to serve. And if you just ask me, all you gotta do is put a question mark on the end of it. Right. And I yeah. love to serve. And, you know, like if you're solving all the problems for the people on your team as a leader, like that's really dangerous and disempowering for the team, because number one, I have to be around all the time to solve all your problems. If I solve all your problems and like, what am I learning if you're solving all my problems? But yeah. if you can, you know, help me learn how to solve my own problems. Like that's some powerful empowerment right there because then you don't have to be around to solve all the problems. And that's how you scale yourself as a leader. You know, like being a leader isn't, you know, about telling people what to do at all. It's mm -hmm. about inspiring and empowering people, you know, because yeah. inspiration that's stimulating to action. And then, you know, like empowerment is, you know, giving them the knowledge of the tools to know what to do with that stimulation. Yeah. Yeah, and that that idea of being a leader isn't isn't about telling people what to do. That is so important, like bolding, highlighting, and and it changes a perspective. Or it's a it's a real shift inside, right? And in how we see ourselves as leaders. Um, and I think that's where part of the transformation comes from. So speaking about transformation, transformational leadership, that's another thing that you talk about a lot. What do you specifically mean when you think about transformational leadership? Tell us a little, tell me a little bit more about that. Sure. That's a, that's a great question. And, and I kind of touched on it a second ago, but really like with leadership, it's similar to coaching, you know, there's kind of three levels, right. And when it comes to, you know, pouring into others and that level one is like, let's say that you have somebody on your team that just doesn't listen to other people when they talk and all they do is kind of talk over people and they're just not a good listener. And so they need to be better at listening, obviously. And so you help them with like a, a tactic, like, Hey, you know, like there's a great quote from Abraham Lincoln that says, you know, I'd rather keep my mouth shut and let people think I'm an idiot than open my mouth and prove it, you know, and then helping them understand why that's not a good thing and how they could, you know, hey, maybe count to five before you start talking to give people a chance, you know, when they're pausing because they maybe aren't done talking or whatever the case may be. That's level one. Level two is maybe they're just not good at relationships in general. Like, you know, they just like cause friction with everybody in the office and, you know, nobody wants to be around when they're around because they're just hard to work with. So they need to get better at relationships in general. And so they need more of a strategy than just a tactic. They're like, hey, you know, helping them understand like what a good teammate looks like. You know, what kind of person do you want to be in the room with? And on and on and on. Then level three, like, and both those are good and appropriate in certain situations. But level three, that transformational change, that's when you help people like, you know, see the fundamental truth about life differently, right? Like you help people create a new perspective by helping them, you know, create some sort of an insight from within, right? Insight. And that's so crucial. Because unless I see it differently, fundamentally, the behavior doesn't change lastingly because we're such habitual creatures. Like we cling to the known. And I'm sure you've seen this with so many coaching clients that you've worked with. They cling to this known reality that they don't even want in spite of the unknown, because in their minds, the unknown is scary. And, mm -hmm. you know, like, man, I would not be scared of the unknown. I would be terrified of staying in the known because mm -hmm. you're going to like outdate yourself. The people who stay the same, 
like personal inflation eats you up because the world continues to revolve around you, just not in the way you want it to revolve around you. And so, you know, you're this old outdated version of you and everybody else is moving forward. And so it's crucial. And you don't always need somebody else to create that, you know, transformational, you know, leadership coaching. You can do that with self-coaching or self-leadership. It's just like, Hey, like, you know, like, what am I not seeing accurately here? Where yeah. can I make a new decision? And, you know, like, that's the one thing that holds so many people back. It's like, they just don't make new decisions. Like, well, I've always been this way. She's always yeah. been this way. Well, change it if you don't like it. Right. Totally. I have like a no label rule in all my group coachings um, or, or groups that I coach. Like, we're not allowed to have any labels. <laughs> I think that's great. like I'm a control freak. Like, no, not allowed. Do not label yourself a control freak. <laughs> freak. Yeah. yeah. In the past. In the past. Yes. We're learning. Can you share a couple of or a example of a situation where someone that you coached has gone through an experience where an insight really led to that transformation? Absolutely. Um, like pick a favorite kid here. Like there's a couple, <laughs> so many. Um, so one one of the uh gentlemen I'm lucky enough to work with. Um He's a CEO of a company of about 200 and 250, I think. And they do about 20 million in revenue a year ago. So great company he's running. And um, are, are you familiar with Clifton Strengths Assessment or Strength Finders? Have you ever heard of that? Okay, cool. Yeah, so, but, but tell the audience a little bit more about it if that's relevant. Sure. So Strength Finders, aka Clifton Strengths Assessment, same assessment. They just rebranded it a couple of years ago. Um, I'm not sure why, but they did. Anyway, they didn't ask for my input. But what it does, it identifies your natural talents. Not a complete portrait of your character, but it's like, hey, here's your natural talents. And if you you know develop these, it can be your superpowers or your strengths. And so the gentleman I was talking about, the CEO, his number one strength is competition. And there's a thought called the balcony in the basement. The basement's basically when you're making it all about you with your strengths and you kind of go to war with yourself, the ego's involved and you're trying to create from fear. And then, so obviously that's not a good place to be. And then the balcony is when you're using your strengths in a positive and productive way. So Competition in the basement is all about me winning and I don't care whose throat I have to step on to win. And if I don't think I can win, I probably just won't even do it. And, you know, that was me in my twenties, um, 15 to 30, pretty much. I'm laughing like, yeah, I can relate. Yeah. 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 Most people with competition can. And so in the balcony though, the very healthy version is like, it's not about me winning. It's about us winning. Like how can we win? And, you know, super powerful strength. And so this gentleman has competition at number one. And he's got significance right up there, really high too. And significance in the basement is like, hey, the me monster. It's like, hey, it's all about me, my, I. Have I told you about me? It's my favorite subject. Let me tell you a little more about me. In the balcony, it's like, I want to create massive transformation in these people, in this company. I want to do something big. I want to transform the world. I want to make a dent in the universe, like Steve Jobs said at Apple. And so what we simply did is like helping him see like, hey, you know, these are the things you told me you wanted. This is where you want to go with your company. This is where you want to go personally. And when you show up like this in the basement, you're completely derailing all of the plans you have. You're making it harder on the people you work with. You're making it harder on yourself and you're stealing from your family because you're taking away your time that could be spent with them because you're so intentional about being here and winning all the time. Mm -hmm. And it was, it wasn't more, much more complicated than that, but a couple conversations and really getting him to see like, Hey, this is what it looks like when you show up in the basement. And this is what it looks like when you show up in the balcony. And like, it's amazing. The transformation he's made. He's so much happier. He's so much healthier. He's lost like a tremendous amount of weight 
and the performance of the company dramatically went up. I actually coach a bunch of his leaders too in his company. And mm-hmm. I've heard it so many different times. And so does the coach who works with me. Um, she's like, man, they say this all the time. I'm like, I don't know what you did to him, but we love it. Thank you for doing that because he's such a better version of him. Like he did all the work. I yeah. just showed him, showed him a better way. And, you know, it's, again, it's about choosing love over fear as a skill. Because, yeah. you know, pretty much every decision we've ever made was motivated by one of those two things, right? Like it's either fear or love. If you boil yeah. it down, because, you know, fear can wear lots of hats, right? Like anger, guilt, shame, pride, all of that. But that's fear-based. And so I'm, ne- I'm never going to get where I want to go if I don't start with the right information. And you, you said something earlier that was so brilliant. It's like, it's not like we got to go change everything about you. We didn't give him a lumbotomy, right? Like if they still do that, but it's like these tiny little tweaks in your approach can yeah. lead to a massive difference on the back end. Yeah. Yeah, to- totally. What a great example. And just, uh, I loved your analogy of the basement and the, and the balcony. Because like you say, sometimes it's, we, this is the thing, this is the strength, like in this case, competition. And we don't have to change anything about that. It's just changing the way that we see this. And this is the transformation that you're referring to. In one way, I could leverage that strength and get satisfaction from it by making it about me. Or I can realize like, oh no, I can scale that and make it about us. And then the way I lead and the way I have conversations and the way I empower my team that all has like, it's like a wave with the ripple effect that goes through the entire organization just from shifting how we're thinking about ourselves and what we're trying to create. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's so powerful because everybody catches on and the people that that doesn't resonate with, they go away. Yeah. And not that they're bad people, but they just weren't ready to row in that direction. Yeah, totally. Or it wasn't the right direction in the first place. And that's good. That's fine as well. Totally. So as we're sort of wrapping up the conversation, I have two short questions. One would be, what's one specific question that you recommend everyone listening to to contemplate about or think about? Wow. Well, there's one I'm always asking myself. It's like, what's for dinner? But that's probably not (laughs) relevant. Um, How about this? Am I being intentional about being kind as opposed to right? Yeah. So good. Am I being intentional versus being right? Yeah. Kind as opposed to right. You know, I've never yeah. walked away from anybody who's right all the time and been like, man, they're awesome. She was right about everything, you know, but I <laughs> walked away from people, you know, like Ramona, I'm like, man, she's really kind and yeah. brilliant and really humble. And that's really cool. That's the kind of people I want to be around. That's a great question to contemplate. And that's one that I think just reflecting on the day, right? What are those, some of those questions really help us become a better leader because we're developing this awareness of how we're showing up by asking ourselves this one question every day or a few questions every day. Did yeah. I use my time right? Was I present? Just a couple of questions I asked myself, like the, was I trying to be right? Or was I trying to be kind, connected and create trust? Awesome. What's um, a specific small action that you recommend every listener to take? Something that could be done within a day or a week from listening this to this. Well, one thing that we could all do that will change our lives for the better is stop having an opinion about everything. Mm. Stop having an opinion about other people's opinions. Stop having an opinion about your opinions. It's like, you don't have to believe everything you think, you know, sometimes it's just a thought and, you know, to go further, you don't have to believe everything other people think, you know, just because it's a thought doesn't make it true. You know, the mind's very powerful for sure, but it's a fraction of our being. But if I believe everything that it tells me, then it becomes my whole entire being. Yeah. And you know what? Like, again, the mind's super powerful, but I don't use it all the time, right? Like yeah. two legs. I don't use those all day long just because they're super powerful. I like, you know, kicking the desk. Like, got to do something with these things. 
I love that with the legs. We don't use them all the time. So true. Um, someone recently said, like, every time I have, you don't, not every thought needs to turn into a story and write a chapter in your book. Like the idea of it's just a thought. We have a lot of thoughts and they're not, they're all, most of them are totally made up, right? And are worried that will never, worries that will never actually uh, become real. They're all thoughts that come from places who knows where. We just let them go. We don't need to make any stories out of them. They don't need to write a chapter. They don't this need to be so taken as for granted and as reality. So, yeah. so true. Really good one. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you for sharing your perspective and your work that you do. And I hope that through, you know, sometimes just sharing examples of what other leaders go through and the shifts that they're making and how these small behavioral shifts, we're all on on this journey all the time because the environment changes, the responsibilities change, there's new challenges. And so for us to grow and continuously improve and, and try to bring up the best in us, that requires this ongoing reflection, the, the looking for insights and ways to learn from our own mistakes and learn from others as well. So thank you so much for sharing and bringing, bringing this into uh, this podcast episode. Yeah, it's great so having you on. My pleasure. Thanks so much for taking the time to uh, share with me and I uh, really grateful that you know people like you are doing things like this to help you know the leaders that are out there because there's not there's a lot of information but uh, you know there's uh, you know it's good to have you know somebody coming from that place of love looking to really create you know more powerful people in the world so we can do more good work and so I would uh, strongly urge all you guys listening if you hadn't checked out Ramona and uh, what she offers to uh, definitely do that because she'll take you anywhere you want to go. Oh, thank you. What a, what a humble um, way to end the podcast and vice versa. Thanks for the work that you do. And do check out Kevin, especially if you're looking for, you know, really the, that self-reflection, looking at strength. And I think you do a lot of work with strength, um, strength finder. Uh, you want to look, learn more about your personal strength and your leadership and looking at ways that this could transform your team. Check out Kevin at kevinkeppel.us. And I Suppose you're on social media as well. What's the best platform to connect with you? Uh, Instagram or LinkedIn. It's Kevin okay. Keppel on both. So Okay. And then check out his podcast too. That's the way to go. Uh, all that will be linked in the show notes. Thank you, Kevin, for being on the show. Thanks, Ramona. If you love this show, then you love even more my free training for new managers. If you haven't watched this training yet, then I'll strongly encourage you to sign up at Ramona Shaw dot com forward slash masterclass you'll discover the key shifts you'll need to make as a new manager and the number one most common mistake to avoid plus you'll walk away with actionable tips that you can apply in your role right away go to ramonashaw.com forward slash masterclass to sign up